Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, lead mountain dog diet trainer, Chris Edmonds, at C Edmonds Instagram. Chris, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. Just ordered the new uh, 4th of July Iron Rebel shirt. Waiting on the new uh, Kaz handles from uh, Prime Fitness to get released today at 5. And I'm going to get those ordered as well. You know, I was looking at uh, watching your post the other day, uh, golfing with your boy, uh, Ty, on, on the driving range, wearing your Iron Rebel shirt. And it, I just realized that all my ir stuff has gotten really old and i need to order some new stuff and i need to get the prep mode green shirt with the intensity on the back that was my favorite yeah i love that one man I, yeah I, I love it one because they just fit well um most places don't sell triple extra large shirts that fit me right and right. those aren't like too big i like them a little longer um but they fit me like through the shoulders and arms really well so i love that stuff yeah. i always have um if you guys want a discount code mine is uh Chris, the capital letter E, 10, if you want to get save some money on it. Um, but I have so many of them. I'm really, really fortunate. Yeah, yeah. My dad, so, would shoot, my dad would shoot me if he saw me at a driving range with fucking gym shorts and a t-shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, we weren't at a golf. Luckily, you know, it's really funny. We're fortunate. We, uh, we have a bunch of like local driving ranges within like five ten minutes of our house, and uh, so when if, if we were going to go to go to our country club and hit balls, I'd definitely be in a polo and chinos. But we were just that was kind of like spur of the moment. I got a chiropractic adjustment in like fifteen minutes, and then we had our clubs in the back, and I said, "Ty, you want to go pound some balls?" It was gorgeous outside, and it was like nine thirty in the morning, so. He was like, yeah, let's do it. So we went and hammered a large bucket of balls together, had a blast, and then came home, got back to work. Nice. Nice. Um, so in getting into the topic today, guys, we are going to talk about our training, diet, cardio, and supplement regimen. Not every category super you know, um, itemized, but, but we are going to go into a brief overview of what we're doing now, what it looks like, um, and kind of where we're at with our training. Um, the differences between coach Chris's and mine and, you know, what most people do with theirs and probably do wrong. Um, so let, let's get let's get into training before we get into anything else. And um, so, are you on a program right now? Are you doing your own thing? I know you said before you stepped up from five days a week to six days a week training. Um, what's that look like for you, and, and why? Of course. So I would say within the last five weeks, I've been extremely intuitive with training. So. Um, as of last Sunday, I'd trained 10 days in a row with no break just because I didn't feel like I needed it. Um, now, do I recommend this to people who are beginners or even intermediates? 100% not. I, I go solely based on when I wake up if I'm hungry or not. And I know that kind of sounds silly. And I was talking with one of my buddies about it. And he's like, man, that makes no sense but a ton of sense. 
And if I wake up and I'm starving, to me, where I'm at in uh, my training phase, that means I, I need more food. And the way I get more food is when I train as opposed to an off day. So if I wake up and I'm hungry and I'm starving and I'm really fortunate right now, I have no real body issues, meaning I don't have any aches or pains. I, I go train and uh, the, the split I've been kind of going with, um, I, I typically go heavy uh, back and bicep, back and abs and calves on, and you notice I wanted to say a pull day, but I've switched that up. It's back, heavy back and uh, calves and abs. And then on Tuesday, for mo the most part, I do uh, chest and shoulders, I hit legs on Wednesday. On Thursday, I'll do a back pump day with some more abs. On Friday, I'll do chest and shoulders pump. Saturday, I'll do arms. And then on Sunday, I've been doing uh, glutes and hamstrings. And then I'll just keep rolling okay. that until I feel like I need an off day. And if I feel like I need an off day, I just simply take an off day and pick right up where I left off. So right. like, for example, I won, uh, as of last Sunday, I, f I felt like I needed an off day. So I woke up and I just instinctually fasted till I was starving. So for me, that was like 1045 in the morning. And then I began my meal. So from that point on, I had to be really diligent with what went into my mouth. because I'm not going to miss a meal. So normally, um, I'm about two and a half to three hours between meals. I had to crank that down to be very strict with every two hours I had to eat to get all seven meals in. So um, that's how kind of my training's going. Right now, I'm not doing a program. Um, I'm kind of doing my own thing. And as soon as we release the new program, I'll get to be the product demo as always. So kind of to be the person who runs through that first to see, you know, where we can make it better, if it's perfect, if we need more volume, yeah. less volume, more intensity, that kind of stuff. So right now I'm just doing my own thing, which is still heavily mountain dog based. You know, if you see me do a leg day, it's going to be some kind of hamstring girl to start. It's going to be ad adductor next, and then it's going to be into quads and then finish up with some form of a stiff leg uh, deadlift variation. So it's still heavily, heavily influenced by what he's taught me over the years. It's just a little bit more tweet um, for exercises that I absolutely love. And yeah, so intensity I've talked to you about has been ramping up and I kind of just do that uh, as, as it goes. Uh, I'll find that volume for me kind of starts in a moderate zone and then I'll just kind of keep ramping that up over the course of the next 20 weeks or so. So yeah. that's kind of how, that's yeah. that, go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that as bodybuilders, when we, if, if, and when we get close to a show and we're ramping up into a show and we're creating a deficit in calories, but our mentality is to train harder because the contest is coming closer. Do you feel that overtraining is a big issue? Um, and do you think we ignore some of the symptoms and signs of probably overtraining in a depleted state because we are so focused on a certain date that's maybe two, three months out and it's just fucking go hard time. And uh, by and large, you people don't listen to their bodies. Um, or do you think by and large, people are just pussies and not training hard enough anyway? Option two. For the most part. Option two all day long. <laughs> And and okay. uh, and let me, let me add to that. 
I think also here's the difference, and this is where I really struggle if I get someone, and even advanced level competitors are this way too. It, okay, yeah. Here's a great example. On Fridays, for the most part, I like to wake up, have a couple meals, and then go train. Last Friday, I woke up, felt a little tired, felt a little drained, had some work to do, and instead of going and training when I normally did, I came home, got my work done, took two naps, got two extra meals in, got an extra gallon of water in, and then went back and trained at night. So if I was being dogmatic and said, oh, I woke up and by 12.30 I wasn't ready to train, I'm going to go take it as an off day. Okay, great. Like, that's what most advanced level guys would have done, right? Well, to me, I'm right. like, well, fuck it. Let's just double down on some recovery. I did an Epsom salt bath. I took two naps. I got two extra meals and more water in. And then next thing you know, 6, 6.30 came and I felt fucking great and I was ready to go lift and I had a great, great day in the gym. Like I ended up shoulder yeah. pressing on a hammer shrink four plates aside for 15. Like, so <laughs> I struggle with that a lot of trying to teach that to people. And I'll tell you where I learned it. Um, the Kai Green documentary with um, Dave Punzanella, he did a great job of... It's Oscar Arden and Kai Green, and I'll never forget. There's a there's a scene where Kai looked at Oscar and said, "I'm not ready to train yet." And he said, "Okay, cool. Let, let's just chill, eat another meal." So they trained, and he was supposed to do cardio. Well, he's like, "I don't feel like doing it right now." So they got back in the car. He had a meal. He relaxed. He did some guided meditation in the van, and he goes, "Okay, I'm ready to go do my cardio now." So I learned, in my opinion, through watching that was. We have to listen to our body. If we feel tired or beat up, double down on recovery. If I double down on recovery and I still feel tired and beat up, take the day off. But if I don't, why not train but just at a later time? And, and that's another reason why I always have access to a 24-hour gym because I don't want to be handcuffed by the hours of a facility. I want 24-7, right. 365 access. So... If I wake up in a contest prep at four o'clock in the morning and I'm starving, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go jump on the stairmaster, or I'm gonna go down in my basement and do the treadmill or the uh, Peloton bike. Like I never want to be hand, handicapped by someone else's schedule. So I think a lot of times it's a, it's a kind of a double-edged sword. I always have found that if I just kind of man up and go in and get it done, that I always feel better afterwards. At the same time, like. Sometimes you just need to push it back. You just need to readjust your schedule. So, you know, let's say I feel beat to shit and I'm supposed to train arms. Well, I'm let's, let's say I'm just going to take that day off, but I'm still going to push that arm day into like my back day. So let's say I hit back in the morning and then I feel really great on Monday and then I'll just go train arms in the nighttime as a PM session. So I, it's kind of operating on the fly. And to me, that's kind of, where again, I, I feel like I personally separate myself is because I'm able to step outside that box and think outside of the normal realm. Like you have to, in my mind, I never want to cheap, cheap or cheapen or skip work. I just may move the work around to a different day, a different portion of my day, or I'm just going right. to, again, focus on rest and recovery. I may go get a massage, take a nap, come take an Epsom salt bath, eat, take another nap, wake up, hit a gram of caffeine and go train and feel great. <laughs> Most people yeah, aren't going to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's, it's a learned behavior and it's a learned training state. And, um, I, I feel like you, somebody really has to get in tune with their body 
in order to be able to do this and um, being able to wind yourself down, being able to, even if you don't full on take like an hour nap, if you can, if you can, I've been experimenting with this a lot mid afternoon. So I a lot of times work out in the morning and uh, I'll go to the gym and or I'll get a bunch of work done. And then I have to work in one of my gyms at night so about three or four o'clock, uh, I get this lull. And this is the crossroads <laughs> in my day where either I can, I can lie down on my back or get in the lotus position and uh, do my best to try and cross my legs <laughs> and, <laughs> and, do some, and do some deep breathing, get in my gym before everybody starts coming in at four o'clock, 4.30, and actually do deep breathing and if, if I sometimes take a little nap, I'll take a little cat nap, but I just get real still and real quiet and try to clear my mind and recharge for, you know, 15 to 30 minutes and do some deep breathing. And I will come out of that feeling refreshed where going in, I feel tired as fuck. And usually I'll just, before I would just go grab a rock star or a yep. monster and drink coffee and just yep. ramp up for the fucking night. Right. And so then, you know, good. It, it's that 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 starts to tweak you out after a while. You start burning out your adrenals and then you have a harder time getting to sleep yep. because at three or four o'clock you've had more stimulants. Um, so for me, that that has been a little hack in my life that has helped. And, you know, I don't always do it, but I do it three, four days a week and enough of the time that it actually helps. Um and, you know, so, so that, that's one of the things that I've been doing. It's coach Chris has mastered that, um, with his lifestyle, um, to be able to work that into his day. And that, that's, that's huge for recovery guys. Look, let me talk to you about this. So when I didn't have the luxury of working from home, um, and I was in the gym for 12 to 15 hours a day, here's what I would do. I would just simply schedule myself a 15 to 25 minute break. Um, between clients and what I would do was if, if when I started there I didn't have an office so I didn't have the luxury of turning the light off in my office climbing under my desk and balling up my hoodie and laying on it as a pillow and sleeping on the floor that's what I did in my later portion of my career there when I started there what I would do is we had like one of those hydro massage beds I'd go in there oh. get, get, I'd sit on the hydro massage bed take a nap have that thing massage my back or if that was being used I'd go lay in the tanning bed with it off and just shut it in almost like a coffin because it was really quiet in there. <laughs> and I would take I'm a nap and die for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And just like, listen, I wouldn't turn a tanning bed on. I would just use it as a bed. I'd take my hoodie in there, use it as a pillow. I'd get good sleep. No one was going to bother me. I'd leave my phone in my gym bag. So no one's going to call or text me or I don't find myself like scrolling Instagram. And I would just chill. And like that was huge for me. And then I guess what? I'd wake up, I'd feel refreshed. I'd uh, get wake up, pound some water. If I had some time to hit a meal, I'd do that, and then I'm back to training clients. So you right. just have to carve out that time. You don't, like you said, you don't need an hour. You need. There's a lot of studies that show a 15 minute power nap can really yeah. recharge you for up to four to five hours. So yeah, you know, think about that, guys. Like I hear people say all the time, I'm like super busy or whatever. Like if I worked in a corporate job in a cubicle, I'd go literally sit on the toilet and I think I was taking a shit and sleep inside the stall. Um, that's just me. That's what I do. Or I go sit in my you car. <laughs> go ahead. 
it, it, it's funny you bring up the corporate thing because there are a lot of companies, bigger companies. God, I can't remember the names right now. I think Zillow. Um, some of the cutting edge companies are actually making and installing these nap pods in the workplace. Oh, wow. And they're finding that their workers uh, get are more productive if they make them go recharge or get on their headphones or do guided meditation or or go into these little deprivation pods and and rest um, yeah. and then come back to work it, rather than just kind of push through. Because the big thing, you know, for most people and most workers and most executives and and is is you got to work late you got to work yep. long hours you got to get all this shit done and, and work your ass off and show the boss and you know hit your numbers and do this and that and to the point where you're fucking exhausted all the time and you're probably yep. not as effective and as a good of a worker than if you take these breaks and learn guided meditation and you can you can you can search on Google guided meditation. There's all kinds of things that will pop up. We yep. we can post some things. Uh, I you might have even posted some things before um, yep. on this subject and things that you do. But they're real easy to find, and some of them are better than others. Some of them, like a guy or a girl, will be talking and it's annoying, and some <laughs> right. of them like is just like waves and air. And yep. I, I like the sound of the ocean myself. Like Same. like. Yeah, yeah. So the water hitting, you know, the waves hitting a beach and it, you know, gets into a very rhythmic thing that you can listen to and then it calms calms me the fuck down more than some yep. annoying voice and some guy saying shit over and over and over again. Right. I mean, what you have to but, think about is slow slowing your heart rate, emptying your mind. So that thing that's bothering you or, you know, that argument you got in with a coworker or the fight you had with your girlfriend or wife like you have to be able to silence all that noise or these naps that we're speaking of are useless. Because if you just go right. to lay down and it stresses you out because you're like, man, I'm laying here for 30 minutes when I could be getting shit done. Like, that's not effective either. <laughs> yeah. And I've played around with actually starting my day with this. So I've I've gone to a few. I haven't, I haven't uh, done a deep dive into it, but... I've played around with the premise and with the philosophy of something called transcendental meditation, where you actually develop a little uh, mantra for yourself. And first thing you do when you wake up is, you know, you, you can drink a big glass of water and then you meditate for like 10, 15 minutes and you just say a mantra over and over and over again. Um, I actually went to a couple sessions. I didn't fully sign up and learn exactly, but I, I got the premise of what they were doing and I've done it some. Tony Robbins, a lot of big, you know, entrepreneurs are big on this kind of thing and start their day like this. So you clear your mind and start your day like this. And instead of waking up and kind of being in a panic and being in a scramble of all the fucking things you got to get done, you actually calm yourself and center yourself. And then one by one, you can a little bit easier uh, get tasks done if you kind of set yourself from the beginning. So you, you don't always have to do this in the middle of the day. You can actually do this at the beginning of the day to center yourself. If you're one of those people that you wake up and you're like already overwhelmed and starting, you know, being frazzled. And I, I've been guilty of this too. I just get up and I slam coffee and I keep slamming coffee till I have like six, 700 milligrams in me. 
and then I'm scrambling around, you know, go to work out and go to do this, that, and you know, I don't get a whole lot done. So, um, you got, you got to figure out the happy balance for you out there. Okay. Let's get into, uh, now before I get into my training, um, a big thing of what I wanted to talk about today is cardio. Um, and, and then I'll get it when I talk about my cardio, I'll also talk about my training. But since, since we've already explained your training, why don't we go into your philosophy of cardio, uh, personally, and then maybe what you do with your clients. Uh, and if that looks like the same thing for you and your, uh, coaching clients, and then I'll get into mine and the reasons why I do mine the way I do. Um, so yeah, for sure. Um, I typically don't start a prep with cardio. Um, I just don't. I typically don't need it <laughs> because usually a, yeah. just a straight calorie reduction um, from my off season does the trick for the first hmm, three to six weeks. Again, as I've talked, I do a long prep, twenty five weeks typically to twenty weeks. So that first four to six weeks, I'm not, I'm just literally nailing my diet on a reduced calorie from when I came off of my, with my off season. So, like this week, for example, I started cardio, um, and I did one session so far at 20 minutes on the Stairmaster at level five. So I'll do that again Saturday morning, and I'll do that again on Monday morning, and that'll put me at three sessions for my week. So I typically do my weeks. It's really strange, but I like to go Tuesday to Tuesday. So that's how I kind of structure it. <laughs> I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to most people, but that's how it works for me. Tuesday to Tuesday. So as long as I get in three sessions of cardio by Tuesday, that's what my goal is. So an hour for the whole week. And ideally that won't change until I um, need to get more fat off or create a new stimulus. So I like to start with steady state. Um, and then once I start beginning to get in good cardiovascular shape, meaning the Stairmaster like level six or seven becomes fairly easy, I'll tend to switch that out for hit on a uh, Peloton bike at my house and I'll do that um, as a mix up. So if let's say I get up to say five sessions of Stairmaster and or incline treadmill walking and I'm at 30 minutes and I kind of feel like I'm getting really good at it. Like all I'll do is change that stimulus to hit and I might do that for six weeks, three weeks, eight weeks, just kind of depends on how my body's changing. But now I'll start that there, probably like 10 to 15 rounds on a hit bike. And so if you look at that two minute warm up, two minute cool down, it's gonna take me, if I'm doing 10, it's gonna take me 14 minutes to complete. So it's reduced time, which is good, but it's a significantly harder workload. Um, and right. my, quad, my quads get like stupid pumped and veins are everywhere. And I actually like the feeling of it. It's really rewarding. I'll be drenched in sweat. So like with cardio, I typically tend to taper that up. So if I start at zero, and then just slowly taper up. I've gotten to as much cardio personally as two hours per day, seven days a week. Uh, that's not fun. I don't like to do that if I don't have to. But again, it just stems to what my body needs at that time. So I can, I'm, I'll never be able to say like what I need. Um, the least I've ever done is 30 minutes, five days a week. And at some lo like low intensity lifts. So it just kind of depends on the prep and how my body is uh, working. I'd always prefer to keep food a little higher and do cardio because I just feel like one cardio is good for my heart. Two, it gives me something yeah. to like 
it's almost a second form of meditation for me because I can get on there. I usually do it really, really early in the morning before anybody's awake, at least in my house. And um, it's kind of a way for me to start my day really effectively. I like doing that fasted. Um, obviously, when I do two sessions a day um, or get up to that, I'll do, it'll do, one will be fasted. I'll train in the middle of the day and then I'll do um, my second session at night somewhere around my last meal. So typically, like right before my last meal, I'll do my cardio, jump in the shower, rinse off, eat my last meal, and then jump in the bed. So <clears throat> that's what it looks like if I do two in a day. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I, I prefer to leave food higher and add in cardio than to leave out cardio. And some people like to just go straight food reduction as opposed to adding a lot of cardio. But it, in, in terms of my clients, like some people need a lot, some people need a little, some people need none. Um, right. It just depends on your metabolism, how lean you are when you start. Um, to me, I'm actually getting to a groove of enjoying it to a certain extent. Once it gets over like 45 minutes at a singular session, I tend to start getting bored with it. I'll do it because that's what it takes. But I don't. I'll have to literally like find bodybuilding motivational videos and watch those on repeat. Um, I'm not a big music <laughs> guy. I prefer to see visual because that makes the time go by faster. If I'm doing yeah. mod moderate or list, if I'm doing hit, I'm literally just listening to aggressive music because that shit sucks. Like if you finish hit and you're not just like totally toast, you didn't do it right in my opinion. You, um, right. Yeah. On a spin bike. It, it's, you can't watch a video. You can't like watch Netflix. If you can do that, you aren't going hard enough in my opinion. Um, yeah. It should be miserable. That's why it's over fast. <laughs> so, you know, again, when I'm doing cardio, if, I, if we want to add some, some, uh, sus substance to it. Once I get inside like 12 weeks, um, I'll always use uh, Matt Porter's Vaso Burn, and then I'll put on one of those waist trainer things, but like, yeah, like the neoprene stomach wrap, and just kind of lock that in. Um, I know there's tons of conflicting evidence, and you see people say they're stupid, but I can tell you when I take that off, it's like drenched. So again, I don't know exactly how much those top pool creams work. You can argue that all you want. To me, they're cheap. And if I'm just getting up one singular percent better by rubbing cream on my stomach, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking take it. <laughs> I don't care. And if it's a hundred percent placebo, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do it because to me, cause I'll get, you know, I'll see that. Like people will ask me, like they'll see me post about vaso burn or if I'm at the, if I'm at the gym and I have that uh, wrap on my stomach, they're like, Oh, does that work? And I'm like, I don't fucking know, but I'm not taking a chance that it's not going to work. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, you can argue the science with me all you want. I, I'm going to do it as a fail safe. I think that I can, I, listen, I've had preps where I didn't use any of that stuff and I got just as lean. So again, I just want every opportunity to get better. So to me, if that's really easy, it, it requires little to no effort to put on that cream from my sternum to my kneecaps. And that's where I rub it yeah. on personally. And I don't put it on my dick. So I said sternum and kneecap, y'all be careful out there, but I'll put it on uh, my abs, my obliques, low back, uh, glutes, hamstrings, and quads. And I'll do that before every cardio session inside of 12 weeks out. And I'll put that wrap on my stomach. And then I always wear a hood and sweatpants and uh, get to cranking. So that's, yeah. I think I answered all your cardio stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, what my training looks like now um, is. I try to hit legs twice a week. I try to hit shoulders, chest, push days twice a week. And then I either throw in a back day or I throw in an arm day. And then I usually have at least one to two days off, depending. 
So once a month, I usually have my son and I usually have a couple days off in a row. Uh, the rest of the time I try to work out, you know, five to six days a week. Um, my big thing is right now is, you know, in my, in my weak points are shoulders and arms and uh, legs and keeping my leg size. So I'm in a fight. I'm in a fight for like, I feel like I'm in a fight every day, every week for leg size. I look at old pictures of myself in previous preps and go, fuck, my, my, my quads were wide, my adductors were meaty and my glutes are big and you know my just you know and and then as you get older i think one of the common denominators between a lot of guys as they hit their 40s and even into their 50s i look at these guys that have big jack upper bodies and their shoulders and backs and chests and arms look like open competitors but then you look down and their fucking sweep is gone there's no sweep they don't have that dug out, you know, carved out um, muscle definition in their legs anymore. And I think to myself, how the fuck are these guys so jacked in the upper body and their legs just wane? Are they not training their legs hard enough? Can they not? Are their hips or and lower back jacked? Maybe that's a part of it. Maybe that's a huge part of it. Um, so, so for me, my big thing is to try to get my legs and hit them from as many different goddamn angles and try to, I try to keep on a Wednesday and Sunday or a Wednesday and Saturday leg, uh, cycle training. So I try to hit them twice a week. Um, when I start a prep and what oh, I even found oh, real fast, season, can, 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 uh, can, I, can we talk about what you just talked about with the uh, older guys and leg thing? Yeah. I'm going to give you my philosophy on it real quick. So, okay. I, Eventually, Father Time's going to catch us all, right? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that when when I say this, take that in precedent. Because listen, eventually everyone's legs are going to get downsized. But I always wonder. And listen, I'm only I'm only I'm almost 35, um, so I don't I can't speak from experience saying that I'm 50 or 45 even. But I, I've always wondered, like the older guys who start to lose their legs, I feel like it's one of two things: they either stop training them hard because they don't have that same vigor they had in their you know teens 20s and 30s or even early 40s like it takes a lot of work to keep big ass fucking legs like it takes a lot of work to go in there and train them and train them hard so that's one i always wonder that like do you just stop because that grind of legs is totally a different sensation than training arms or back or chest or even shoulders shoulders i say that Yes, one hundred percent. You have to torture yourself. It's it's just how much you can fucking suffer. A hundred percent. And yeah. so then that's number one. Number two is I really feel like a lot of the older guys, at least that I know personally, like they become extremely married to an exercise, typically squats and deadlifts, right? And as you and I can both right. speak from experience, I can't squat and deadlift what I did in my early teens and twenties. I just can't. Um, probably the middle of my twenties into my later twenties, I could, that's the peak of my squatting and deadlifting. And I can't touch that weight now, um, for the reps right. and the craziness shit that I used to do. So I feel like they get married to that and they're like, Oh fuck it. Well, I can't squat heavy anymore. So I just can't train my legs like, or I can't go as hard on them where 
I like to take older guys and say, okay, cool. You can't squat and deadlift heavy like you used to, but what can we do that doesn't hurt? And they'll say, okay, well, I can hack squat or I can Bulgarian split squat or I can do heavy lunges or I can do the leg press. Okay, perfect. Now let's attack that with reckless abandonment, but let's do it in a smart way. So let's kill your hamstrings on a leg curl. Let's go blast your adductors to keep them full, which normally... When early in my career, I had huge adductors, and it wasn't because I did the adductor machine one bit. It's because I squatted fucking heavy. Now I right. can't do that, so I have to kill the adductor machine. From there, I'm going to go put you on a leg extension, and I'm going to lead you through about five to ten sets of absolute fucking hell. Your legs are going to get pumped. They're going to get that dugout look to them, and then they're going to get blown up and have no definition by the time we finish. From there, then we're going to go attack the leg press. Then we're going to do a split squat. Then we're going to potentially do some walking lunges. And then we're going to finish with some stiff leg deadlifts. So if you structure it that way and say, hey, what hurts? Don't do those. What feels great? Let's do those. And let's wear them the fuck out. Like, and I always wonder, like, you know, especially with the older generation of people. And, you know, you always hear as people age, they become really stuck in their ways. Well, if you choose not to evolve your leg training, I feel like they're going to downsize. And we need to find things that are safe, that feel good, and, and, and really go after those. And... I'd always, you know, again, I'm really curious, you know, if you, even if you look at like really successful older guys, like you said, their legs tend to be downsized a little bit, but you have that rare guy on occasion who, who's their legs still look great. Like John's legs still look incredible, right? That's because he chooses his exercise selection is smart and he still gets after him. So, you know, again, that's just my kind of spill on it. (laughs) He has, I, I, I don't know what all gems this guy has in like a five to 10 to whatever mile radius but he always seems to be jumping on the coolest fucking leg machines i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yep <laughs> like he's got the you know and, and i i'm almost i want to look into one of those belt um squat machines oh yeah belt where, squat yeah. Where you yeah belt squat i I've, i'm gonna look on craigslist and see if i can find one of those for my gym so i think it would actually help my members too oh yeah um, without I, i'd love the training myself but um to, to get back into the training and diet uh, and cardio, um, <clears throat> when, when I get closer to a show, I will try to ramp up into six days a week and keep that six days a week. But if I'm training something twice a week, like what I do now with legs, I usually have one high intensity, higher volume leg day. And then I'll have a day where I'll kind of back off and get a pump, but I won't push as heavy poundage. And, and what I mean by that is, so let's say I do leg press twice in a week. One day I'll go up to eight or nine plates. The other day I'll try to push up to 10 or 11 plates on each side. Um, and then one day I'll try, you know, I'll, I'll do hack squat and I'll do reverse bands at like four plates. The other day I'll do three plates and just rep out. Or on um, Bulgarian split squats, uh, I might do three or four sets at, you know, 85s. Uh, and then, you know, if I'm really pushing it on a heavy day, I'll grab 105s, 110 dumbbells and, and, you know, do a couple drop sets, but I usually can't do two of those workouts back to back without really kind of thrashing my hips and thrashing my back a little bit too much. And then it affects me in the rest of my workouts and the rest of the week. And then I have to back off on other stuff because my back is jacked up. So you have to find that happy medium for you, given your age, given where you're at, given any predisposing, predisposed injuries or things you may have had in your past, knee, 
lower back, hips, and be able to, like, like Coach Chris said, trash your muscle uh, w- without, you know, having to do heavy compound lifts. Um, now, cardio, when I start a prep, I usually do a prep. I don't do preps as long as Coach Chris. I don't do 20 to 25 weeks. When I do a prep, I'll do four months. I'll do 16 weeks. And I'll, and I usually start with cardio and I'm going to tell you why when I take cardio out of my routine altogether, my stamina goes down. I can even, I can do lots of supersets and training, but what I've found, you know, in my weights, but what I found is if I do 20 to 30 minutes of kind of a harder cardio, whether I mix in a few Tabata intervals or just kind of push my heart rate above 120, you know, at least 110 to 130, um, my stamina gets better for my workouts. My stamina gets better. I feel like I can breathe better. I feel like my lungs open up a little bit better and then my workouts are better. I feel like digestion is better. Everything gets better. I may not be holding or packing on the muscle at that point, but at that point when I'm 16 weeks out and I'm gonna start creating a deficit, I'm not looking to put on muscle. I'm looking to hold on to muscle, but I think a lot of that comes with diet and nutrition and the supplements that you take um, and and sleep and recovery more than into the actual training. And I don't feel like, you know, if, you, if your diet's on point, if your training's on point, that if you throw in an extra 20 to 30 minutes of cardio four to five days a week, that it's it's going to burn up a ton of muscle on you. I don't feel like that at all. Um, so my philosophy is to put it in because it helps my workouts, it helps my stamina, and it's also good for your heart and lungs. So um, I think it's important for health and longevity to have that in and even in the off season. Um, and, and I've tried taking it out and, and I feel like my body isn't as in a good, a good of a place with cardio out than it is when I leave it in, if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. And that, and listen, you get lean really fast, so that's why you don't need those longer preps. Um, right. I like a longer, slower approach personally because that way I can leave my food in longer, um, and I can make small adjustments. So, to give you an example, like if I cut a half of a cup of rice, so say seventy-five grams of rice, right? If I cut that for one week. I might drop a pound and a half to two pounds every week just by simply cutting 75 grams of rice. So that's a different philosophy because I'm not crunched for time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people do 12 weeks yeah. and I feel like every every adjustment to their meal plan has to be almost perfect if they want to get shredded unless they get lean really fast or they're starting really lean. Like you have to be really perfect and precise to where it's really easy to get behind. Well, I hate getting behind. So I always want to give myself plenty of time so I can make small, small incremental adjustments to where let's say I might pull 20 grams of carbs at an update. Well, that's not a huge adjustment, but if I do that over the course of 25 weeks, like that's going to add up quick. So yeah, so yeah. again, just very different philosophies. Right. Now, uh, getting to the diet, um, I'm of the same philosophy as coach Chris is keeping the calories as high as you can at the beginning um, and keeping protein super high. My carbs are real high right now. I eat carbs six meals a day. Um, 
and um, I'm around 12% body fat. And I'm going to start my prep probably in about two to three weeks here um, for some shows. And um, I will try to keep my food, my carbs, and my protein as high as possible. Um, I usually, I differ from Coach Chris. I, I keep a moderate amount of, amount of fat in. I don't, we don't tend to drop my fat until, you know, probably eight weeks in six weeks and then and then the fat gets dropped a little bit more uh as i start to get a lot, a lot leaner but usually when i'm following the regular diet with moderate amount of fat you know at some point they have to start adding we have to start adding refeed meals because i start coming in a little too lean too quick uh so i you know i don't have that problem you know everybody is a little bit different in how they come in um, but, but, you know, I, my calories are high and I, and I assume this prep, my calories will be even higher than in the past. It'll probably, we'll probably be able to keep it around three throughout around 3000 or a little bit above and probably still be able to lean out a bunch. Oh yeah. I, I don't doubt that. Yeah. One bit. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that yeah. that's our, that's our chief difference between you and I is just the fat levels. Um, meaning how many grams of fat we need to feel good and operate off of because a lot of people when you start pulling their fat really aggressively their joints start to get beat up um that's just not me i'm really fortunate in that regard outside of my low back but that's going to be fucked up either way if i'm stupid <laughs> as yeah. long as i'm smart well, same, my, same with me same with right me. as long as i'm smart and do my therapy and you know don't try to deadlift the world or squat the world like my back's going to be good through a prep but i can like my elbows my knees hips aren't going to ache off of extremely low fat, like a lot of people complain of. Um, and you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people talk about that of you have to keep fat high for so many reasons. Well, for me, I just, I operate better on lower fat. Um, like high fat for me is like 60 grams, which sounds really small. Right. Um, but I feel the best on fat anywhere between like 30 to 60. Once it gets below 30 um, and starts trickling down to just trace fat and like whatever you get in the turkey and chicken that I'm eating, like then yeah. I start to feel lethargic. But at that point, I'm in really good shape. So that, yeah. that would be creating would, a big deficit at that point, too, when it gets that low. Right. I, and listen, I've tried preps other ways and I can get lean there. I just I've, I look the best with super high protein moderate to high carbs and little to no fat. Um, and I operate really well. I feel good. I have good progressive workouts. I get huge pumps. Um, and that, again, that, that may change as I get older. Um, but like for right now, that's where I'm the best. So if I look at my, I, you and I just talked about where I'm at now, I'm at roughly 500 grams of protein a day, 500 carbs a day and 45 grams of fat. And I'm getting leaner doing that. So you know, it's just one I of those was things. doing the math on that. So, uh, are you eating seven times a day, like eighty grams a meal, eighty grams yeah. of protein? Yeah. Wow, it's a lot of food. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those so things. Are, like, I mean, go ahead. Do you do it, with your diet schematic? Are pre and post workouts? Are you doing about hundred grams of protein, or do you just keep it steady? throughout the seven meals in balance just, I keep protein. right now protein is steady okay it's all, all the same just about it divided by seven so now that's also to so that 500 grams that's also counting grams of protein from carbs and fat does that make sense right because i mean that spreadsheet right. that, that we use for all of our clients like i use that for me 
Um, so I'm not getting like, if you look at it, it's not like straight 500 grams of protein from chicken. So if I eat Ezekiel bread, two slices got eight grams of protein in it, for example, and I eat four slices of Ezekiel so, bread a day. So you figure just in that so alone. So what you're claiming the, is you can eat eight to 900 calories a meal with your big fucking spoon in five minutes. Is that what you're claiming? Yes. <laughs> I can, I'm on the video. <laughs> I, I'd like to see this. I'd like to see this go down in five minutes. All right. So I here's think, a group. I, think, because I, I literally ate right before you called me to do this podcast. I had five minutes to eat my chicken and rice and it was 80 <laughs> gram. It was, um, it was 10, 10 ounces of chicken and it was um, two cups of rice, 300 grams of rice. In five minutes? <laughs> Five minutes, and I just shovel it in, and I drank two liters of water with it. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> now that's I chop my chick. I chop my chicken up really, really small, so I don't have to do yeah. all that chewing. It's like one, two swallow, one, two swallow. Like, yeah. So I, I always joke that I learned that I have to do that between eating between clients when I was uh, training a lot of people. Right. So, so and I, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's what my meal plan is currently. So it's yep. roughly five hundred protein, five hundred carbs, and forty five fat. And uh, I sent you a photo this week for me in the gym. And again, you can see all my abs and I'm. Yeah, you're, you're lean. I mean, you look like you're under 10% already. You look like you're eight or nine. I mean, I have striations in my quad, which is normal. I can see all my abs. Yeah. Like I'm pretty vascular when I train. So it's just one of those yeah. things. Like I feel like I'm in a pretty damn good spot right now. Yeah. What, what, where do most people go wrong? What do they do? Because. You know, I find when I go to amateur and local shows and I even look at some some high level guys that may be a lot bigger than me, but they don't get the conditioning that I do. And at the local show, nobody brings in usually really striated, hard conditioning. Um, maybe that's changed, but I, I found a lot at the but where do guys go wrong? And try is it that they don't have coaches or that their coaches don't know what the fuck they're doing and trying to get them lean? Because I see lots of bigger guys that every year these guys can't nail their conditioning. I don't know if it's a if if it's a factor of not being able to stick with their diets or they don't have a good plan or don't have somebody helping them like they should. Or what what do you think that is at, at the amateur level? Okay, I think uh, it's a bunch of factors. One is they try to play a size game and they're worried about the scale. That for the if I'm talking about bigger like heavies and super heavies at a local or regional level, they worry too much about. Let's say they start their diet at say 260 to 280, right? Well, if I told them to get truly shredded, they're gonna have to suck down to a heavy and make 224 and a half. They're gonna lose right. their mind. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose all my muscle. So I think that's one. They yeah. play a size game and get obsessed with the scale. To me, yeah. we're bodybuilders. We got we have to be as obsessed with our fattest body part. And if you aren't chronically watching that, you're going to come in too fat. And so that's step one. So for me, that's going to be low back, glutes, and hamstrings. I just know it. Like my hamstrings started to get split at like around 13 to 15 weeks. But if I solely want just solely being split, that that's not what we want. I need them fuckers dug out to where it looks like strings on a piano. So right. I have to be diligent about that. But if I only watch, say, the front side of my body or when I hit a side shot, like, so if I hit a side shot or if I hit a front shot, like, I'm going to look lean in those pictures, right? Because um, I can flex my glutes from the side and then have, like, lines in it. But when I turn to the back, 
like where my glutes connect to my hamstring, I'm going to have some folds of fat back there if I'm not careful. So you have to watch where you're the fattest. That's that's step one. Um, yeah. Two is they try to come into they play this whole like I got to fill up. So then let's say they're they're truly in shape. Then they start playing this. Oh my god, I had 500 grams of carbs and I'm barely full. And now let's do a thousand. Let's do 1500. Or they don't manage their water right with that carb loading, or they don't have any water at all, and they overplay diuretics. It's a combination of those three too. Um, <laughs> now that's a whole other conversation you and I can have for an hour of what to look yeah. for, how to know to do that. But it's one of those things. Or the last one is they fucking listen to their Instagram followers and their buddies. So <laughs> let's say I finish training and I take a picture of my arms after an arm workout. Of course they're going to look big. I just fucking trained them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but I'm not, I look good standing next to normal people. If I get on stage under the lights against guys who train around the clock for this shit, I just blend right in. If I'm not being diligent with my photos, um, right. because I need listen, and, and you know this from working with me, I always get guys that send me post lift photos when we when we get lean, and then facet in the morning photos, and then typically by the end, what the, what you look like at night. So I need to know those three different times, right? So if in the morning you aren't really really dry and separated, that's a problem. Post lift, if you don't have a good pump and veins aren't everywhere, that's a problem. And then before bed, yeah. if you aren't really, really full or you're like super, super dry at night, these are all things I need to watch and monitor. Yeah. Because yeah. what we have to think about is when you do a show, you do a morning show, right? For, for amateurs, for the most part, you do an AM prejudging and you do a nighttime finals. Well, I have to know what you look like through that process because some guys look really good in the morning and they'll like trash at night. Other guys look really good um, at the nighttime, but not good in the morning. So you right. have to learn how to manage that. So that's where I think most people go wrong. They listen to the wrong people. They either A, aren't lean. Listen, for the most part, if you think you're lean, you need to suffer three to four more weeks. You need to, you know, I always joke, like, I want to see the, ki- the fibers of my kidneys. Um, I made that one post to the, this week that said, <laughs> I want to see my pancreas secrete insulin when I do a carb load. Like, <laughs> right. it, it, it's me being funny. I'm doing a joke. Like certain people yeah. message me like, you can't get that lean. I'm like, literally, that was a joke, bro. I was just being funny. Yeah. It, was uh, like, that, yeah, it wasn't meant to be <laughs> literal. <laughs> I want to see the chambers of my heart, right? They're no, like, not- fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. You can't do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I'll so, show you. Right, uh, listen. I have some simple rules for if you're lean enough, right? If someone who's normal doesn't ask you if you're sick, you aren't lean enough. If one of your loved ones aren't worried about you, you aren't lean enough. If a coworker doesn't stare at your forearms or calves because they just look bananas in a normal day, like in a a golf shirt or a t-shirt, you aren't lean enough. Your eyes need to be sucked back in your head. Your cheekbones need to be visible. When you chew, you need to see the your the muscles in your jaw. Like these are all like little things that you have to keep track of. Um, if you yeah. wake up and you're not head to toe vascular, we typically have a problem. Um, and I think right. you can confirm that all those things that I said, you get there three to two to three weeks out, right? Yeah. <laughs> but most people who again, Absolutely. if you don't have a good coach who has an eye for that little stuff, right? Um, if they aren't watching you around the clock, meaning getting you, sending you multiple photos, it's it's hard to know that because we are going to naturally be drawn to our strong body parts. If I just pull my shorts up and stared at my quads and that was my definition of when I'm ready for a bodybuilding show, 
I would be fat. I would show up out of shape. Yeah. Um, if I just paid attention to how full around my shoulders were and how dug that dug out they were, I would not be in shape. So you have to really hold yourself accountable. Take 360 photos, meaning from the front, back, and side. Um, assess yeah. all your posing. Do it a multiple times of the day to see where, you know, you know, again, you have to learn how to manage your whole day because I'll hear people say, oh, well, by the end of the day, I look like absolute shit. Okay, well, why? When you get to the bottom of that, because you're going to have to get back on stage at night for a finals and you don't want to get on there looking worse than you did in the morning. We want to look better. So we have to figure out why you look different at night. And that a lot of times is the reason that people fail is they don't have a, a critical eye for themselves. They don't hold themselves to a high enough standards or they don't listen to the right people. Um, and that could be friends, that could be coaches. You have to have a spouse, a training partner, someone who will shoot you honest. Like if we trained together and you got in the locker room and you weren't ready, I'd be like, bro, we need two more weeks. We got to tighten up that fucking diet and get you on some more cardio. And you'd say the same yeah. thing to me. Or on the flip side, I'd say, Greg, you're fucking ready. Back the fuck off of uh, cardio and your fat burners. We need to chill out or you're going to start burning up muscle. Right. There has to right. be a balance. Um, because listen, at the same time, I don't think a lot of people over diet and over train, but you can melt muscle away if you pair shitloads of training, drastically under like starving yourself with Clint and T3, you can melt muscle really fast. So you have to be really, really careful, especially if you have a physical, sure. physically active job. Like if you're like me and you, and we just tell people what to do all day, not a big deal. But if we were construction workers or landscapers, we have to be really diligent because, listen, those people yeah. are going to have probably ten to 15,000 steps in a day. They're going to be lifting machinery. They're going to be putting up trailer gates. They're going to be mowing yards, weeding in the hot sun, sweating like a motherfucker. Like, you have to be able to know that what you do for a living impacts what your uh, training needs to be look like, what your rest needs to look like, what your cardio needs to be set up like. Because if I have a guy who sits behind a desk all day, Nine times out of ten, they'll need more cardio than, say, someone who's building yeah. a house. <laughs> right, right. But no one talks about that, hey right? Guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and I feel like most people just aren't coached in that manner, and they right. try to figure it out. And if they are coached, uh, a lot of coaches don't address these factors like like maybe we do and what we've learned through John. Correct. Agreed. Okay, guys, for Chris Edmonds, I'm Greg Jones. Thanks a lot uh, for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio, and uh, tune in to the next episode.